Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Charges is created by Portal A and Control Media. It's produced by DB Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This time, a former Suns player who you might remember as T-Rex. More video in just a moment, but this is Rex Chapman's mugshot, and we are learning a lot more about the charges. When you Google Rex Chapman, the first image that I see is your mugshot. But I'd made it all the way through an NBA career, and now I'm a full-blown, you know, Oxycontin and Vicodin addict. I feel so bad for what I did to my children. Oh, man. Oh, I just want to cry. Welcome to episode one of Charges. I'm your host, Rex Chapman. Today, we take a deep dive into my past and the trials and tribulations that I've gone through in my highly publicized career. To guide that conversation, we have my longtime friend, my dude, my guy, Michael Rappaport, filling in as guest host. I've known Mike since we were teenagers at the five-star basketball camp where I was his camp counselor. He couldn't play for shit. He's a talented actor, but his hoops game leaves much to be desired. Enjoy episode one of Charges with Rex Chapman. All right, my name is Michael Rappaport, the guest host of my longtime friend, someone who I was a fan of before I met him, as a basketball coach in the 1980s, Rex Chapman. Welcome to Charges with Rex Chapman. I am a special one-time only guest host. 
This is Rex Chapman's podcast. We'll explain why I'm here, what I am doing here. Sexy Rex Chapman, how are you, my friend? My goodness. Charges with Rex Chapman. Who'd have thunk it? You, me and you from teenagers now doing this. Let's just explain what people could expect, why you're doing this podcast, charges, you know, how you came up with the name and the whole concept of it. Well, you know, I, I think uh, me as an athlete, uh, and we've seen a lot of people in every walk of life, but especially for athletes come under a lot of scrutiny when they, when we get in trouble and there's an never ending supply of athletes, young athletes, a lot of money and uh, a lot of free time that run afoul and um, kind of came up with the uh, idea for this after bouncing back from, you know, my troubles, painkiller addiction, jail, and uh, really want to let people know with the people that we're going to talk to that you're never as bad as your worst moment as long as you learn from it. You know, I'm, I'm planning on having guys on, guys I know, guys I don't know who've run afoul. Uh, we call it charges because you've been charged with something. Uh, you know, a, a bit of a take on the old Twitter blocker charge. But, um, you know, charges. You've been charged with something. It was an ugly time. It was a tough time in your life. Uh, you've let a lot of people down. You've let yourself down. And that moment when it happened to you is really painful. It's painful to talk about. Uh, but I think it's cathartic, and I think people will get a lot out of it. Um, all right, we're going to get to your charges and, uh, you know, when I start, uh, you know, asking you questions. But just to give people a little context. So growing up in the 1980s, I had dreams and aspirations of being a professional basketball player. At one point, uh, the McDonald's High School All-American game was a huge, huge deal. I think it's a big deal now, too, but we're so oversaturated with Instagram and this tournament and that tournament. But at, there was a time in the 80s where the McDonald's high school All-American game was, that was the only game that mattered for high school uh, stars. I found you, I think I had heard about your name, because you, 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 again, it's, this is the 80s, so it's not like you could Google every single high school player. What year did you play in the high school, uh, the McDonald's high school All-American game? 1986. So, uh, yeah, I'd have been a year or two ahead of you, maybe? Uh, yes, a year or two ahead of me. So I was a, a dreamer of playing high-level college basketball, high-level uh, NBA basketball. This was my dream. And I remember hearing about Rex Chapman, but you didn't see clips. But I remember first seeing you play in the high school All-American game, and you were everything that I wanted to be, high-flying, shoot, athletic, fearless, dunking white unicorn from down south. I didn't like the hair. I believe you. Did you have a mullet at this point? For sure. Had you a had mullet, a mullet. For sure. Was that a choice? It was did a choice. Did you think that was cool? I did. I thought it was cool. Also, I didn't really call it a mullet. I called it a shag, Mike. You might know. You might have heard about the shag from back in the day. In fact, me and my boys, you know what we would do? We would short, you know, business in the front, but we would grow it out in the back and perm it. We would get it permed and then blow dry it, blush it out. Oh, man, terrible. Just terrible. It was like a basketball player with a wrestler's look. Yeah, like look like Billy Ray Cyrus. Exactly. <laughs> so I saw Rex play in the high school All-American game, and he had a great freshman year at Kentucky, which I want to ask you about, but just to you know quickly contextualize how I met Rex. And then the summer after your... Freshman year at Kentucky, I was, I believe, going into the 10th grade or the 11th grade. It doesn't matter. 
And Rex um, was one of the camp counselors at the Covenant. Again, it was the five-star basketball camp was everything. ABCD camp was coming along, but five-star was the place to be. And Rex Chapman was one of the camp counselors there. And he had the pleasure of being my camp counselor for a week at the five-star basketball camp. And Rex was playing at Koi the whole time. Uh, he had his short shorts. He had his hair. Um, but he was a star. He had made a huge impact um, in the basketball world, um, in my life. And it was just like dope. Uh, I mean, this is a high school uh, basketball camp. I was there with Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp was probably older than you at the time. Uh, he had like a full beard and a goatee. But this was the best of the best basketball game. Everybody went to this camp. Michael Jordan, Len Bias, Patrick Ewing, Wardell Curry, and... I was fucking with Rex the whole week and talking shit to him, trying to get, you know, attention from him because it was Rex Chapman, the high-flying white unicorn from Kentucky. Do you, and then we connected years later, but you remembered that time. What was most impressive about what you saw from me that week <laughs> and my game and just my whole persona? Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. Um you know, I was there with Ramil Robinson. Both he and I had been at the camp as campers like two years prior. And so we decided to come back and be counselors for Garf, Howard Garfinkel. And then we drafted. I ended up drafting you on my team. You know, only guy, I think probably only guy in five-star history that could not do a jump stop. No, just don't know how to do a jump stop. You're not a good player. You know the game. <laughs> you know the game incredibly well. I, in my I, head, in things your, are happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. You're like Chris Mullen, but a lot slower. And, and uh, he was slow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, man, you were hilarious with your New York bullshit all week long, just laughing, making people laugh. And the funny thing about that is, you know, after that, you know, I go on back to Kentucky and then I'm in the NBA and then I'm at a movie one time a couple years later and I'm I'm looking, I'm like, maybe beautiful girls. It was it was one of your early, early movies. And I, I I'm there and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Who is he? Who is he? And one night I'm I'm asleep. I sat up in the bed and I went, fucking five star. That's exactly who he is. That's Mike Rappaport, my boy. <laughs> Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. 
The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 6'5 guard Rex Chapman, the feature story on Al McGuire's preseason special. And that's the way it was for this 1985-86 Apollo basketball team. Having to deal with unbelievable hype, possibly the most publicized player in the history of Kentucky high school basketball. Time, watch another freshman, Chapman. Showtime. There's Muhammad Ali, the champion, who's watching a future heavyweight and Rex Chapman. First of all, at that time, when you go from high school All-American to that first year at Kentucky, and for people that don't know, and I'm really disappointed that a lot of the footage is grainy, it's not as good, it's not in high def, um, but your freshman season at Kentucky, I mean, was it everything that you had hoped and dreamed from as a young kid, like to get to Kentucky, growing up at Kentucky, and then having a very, very good freshman season? Like, what do you remember about that time? It was atypical, my guy. Um, it was atypical from a couple standpoints. I dreamed of going to Louisville. I had committed to Louisville verbally, and then they Kentucky changed coaches, went from Joby Hall to Eddie Sutton, and I flip-flopped and went to Kentucky. I'll tell you, though, Mike, I weighed 160 pounds as a freshman, Damn. you know, when I got on campus, you know, today they talk about high school They First, they talk about juniors reclassifying and going to college. I could have never done that. I mean, I had been broken in half. They talk about seniors, you know, going a, a year of school and then going in the NBA. I still only weighed like 170 at the end of my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of that was my dad. I grew up watching my dad, watching his teams play, watching him coach. He coached at a high-level Division II school, Kentucky Westland. They won a couple titles. I, I loved watching his teams play. That's how I learned to play basketball, just watching his teams play, his players. And he had me perfectly wired. You know, he when I left home, he was like, man, I hope they don't redshirt you this year. And he was being honest. Um, and I believed him. We got to school. I got to school. The weightlifting was horrible. I could lift the bar. 45 pounds. That's how much I could mm. bench press. And um, the conditioning killed me. We got in the first day of practice, and I'll never forget it because it was really awkward. And first day of practice, and my coach, Eddie Sutton, Hall of Famer, just passed away. Big, big drinker, though. Big drinker. And a drinker at this time. 
and we're running like a three-man fast break, three-on-two, two-on-one, something like that. Very first practice. I caught a pass. I faked a pass, ball fake, threw it into the post. He stopped practice and went, see, that right there. That's why he's the best player on the team. And I wanted to run and hide. I got it. Seniors, juniors, James Blackman, Ed Davender, Winston Bennett, a whole team of McDonald's All-Americans that I'm now competing against every day. It's my first practice. I did. I wanted to hide. I just made a pass to the post. What I didn't realize was that everybody can't do those things. You know, I could shoot and run and stuff, but I could, you know, I knew how to pass and how to play and time and score and all that. And that was just coming from my dad, uh, watching his stuff. So I was perfectly prepared for that. Once we got out of the weight room onto the basketball court where I knew how to play, I felt completely at home. Now, I, I took my lumps my freshman year plenty of times, but, you know, I got my shots in, I think, early on. Before we played Louisville my freshman year, which was kind of a coming out kind of thing because it was on national TV. Wait, and let me just contextualize. For those who don't know, Louisville versus Kentucky. And in the 80s, college basketball was as big as LeBron versus Steph. Yeah. It's changed, but Louisville versus Kentucky, explain the enormity of that game to people, our non-basketball fans. Yeah, it's huge. You know, it's kind of, back in the day, it was kind of like Yankees, Sox, you know, there were those rivalries that you knew, and and they were the only real big rivalries that were on TV live on the weekend. And the other big rivalry here was Indiana. And so they're just right across the river. Louisville and Kentucky hate each other, but Indiana and Kentucky hate each other too. And we played Indiana like I was three or four games into my freshman year. We played them at Indiana. Bobby Knight, they actually won it that year. They had Steve Alford. And I had watched Steve Alford play in high school. I'd watched him my whole, you know, three years of high school. He'd he'd been playing at Indiana and had mad respect for him, all of that. Also, I was kind of like, I can't wait to get some of Steve Alford. And we played them in that game. They beat us in overtime, but I had like 26 or 27. And I thought I played against him. He was supposed to be player of the year, maybe player of the year. And that was the first time I went, and they were talking about him going into the draft and and getting drafted. That was the first time I thought, you know, if he can play in the NBA, maybe I can play in the NBA. And so a week or two later, we played Louisville at home or at Louisville in Freedom Hall. They had just won the title the year before with my boy Never Nervous Purvis and Kenny Payne and Milt Wagner and that whole crew. And they were good. They were supposed to smoke us. And we went in there to Louisville And also, I should backtrack, I didn't play high school basketball with the three-point line. We didn't have a three-point line. But my first year of college, they had the three-point line. And I I could shoot out there. I just never had practiced shooting. You know, being behind the line, I just shot out there on habit. And so, Mm -hmm. man, we went into Louisville and just blitzed them. Muhammad Ali was in the stands. Wow. And uh, we beat them 85 to 51. And I think I had 26 or so. And I, I just remember after the game uh, going to do the media and I came back through. Talk about just I really remember very little about that day other than coming back after the press conference and our sports information person stopping me and saying, hey, champ wants to meet you. And I went, wow, who, what? He said, uh, Muhammad Ali. And I almost started crying. 
Like I, this is this dude's Louisville, Kentucky man. This is Cassius Clay. This, and he came. We walked there in the hallway, and he said a couple things, and uh, I really don't remember. I can still almost cry to this day uh, thinking That's about so it. That's so dope. So dope, man. So you know, after that Louisville game, you know, people knew nationally knew my name. And um, yeah, that's kind of how things got started. Now, I want to talk specifically about uh, your athleticism because the athleticism in basketball sports, but we're talking basketball for a white dude is just not a common thing. And then I want to go into race and all that stuff. You were a high flying slam dunking fucking like you played uh, especially from New York, like we didn't see white dudes that could dunk and jump. You know, we had our Chris Mullins and we had we had our dudes and, you know, Steve Alford, shoot, cagey, crafty. You know, you were sticking out because you were in the high school, uh, the McDonald's All-American dunk contest. You were banging on people your first year. You had lift on your jump shot. You essentially what they, you know, in simple terms, you played like a black dude. When did you realize, like, obviously you can't, that's God. You know what I mean? Like, jumping, being quick is God. You know, I tried all the fucking, I tried all the jumping drills, and they don't fucking work. They do not fucking work. If it's not in you, it's not in you. If you could jump 40 inches like you probably could, maybe you could get to 41 inches. But when you're jumping three inches like me, and you get to four inches, it means nothing. Talk about you know, your style of play and then talk about race and sports and playing essentially like a black dude and like the fine line between it becoming the elephant in the room. And also you're just like, I'm just trying to get to the fucking league. Speak on that Rex. Yeah. You know, Mike, I just got lucky. Uh, really. It's just luck. Uh, you know, my parents genetics there with my mom, you know, long arms and tall and my dad six, six, and you know, was a professional basketball player. So that part of it's lucky. Now I didn't always have it. I dreamed for it every night growing up. I measured myself. I grew so late. I was a five, seven, five, eight freshman. I played varsity, but I didn't start on the varsity. And we had my two best friends to this day still, Greg Bond and Jeff Sanford. They started all four years of high school. I played freshman ball, JV ball, and varsity ball my whole freshman year. And then had a growth spurt. And I wasn't athletic before that. I mean, just normal, normal really? kid. No, no. I mean, I was, I was skilled. I could shoot and handle and do all that stuff. But I was, yeah, I was just average. I mean... You know, I may have had quick bursts and stuff, but I couldn't jump. I, you know, I was happy to slap the board on a layup, man, uh, through my freshman year. And in about three months between freshman and sophomore year, I grew about six inches from five, seven to, I don't know, six, two or so, and uh, started being able to jump. Now, I wasn't a strong jumper, but I was long to uh, getting longer reach and all that stuff. But, you know, again, I dreamed for all the same shit my boys dreamed of, all the same shit you dreamed of. Many of their favorite players were guys like Larry Bird and Kyle Macy and the guys, that, the white guys. And I grew up loving, loving Daryl Griffith and David Thompson. You know, they were both, you know, I thought, man, if I could get to be 6'3", 6'4", they can dunk it. Maybe I can dunk it. And so... That kind of became my, I watched Daryl so much, honestly. I And the weird thing is if you look at Daryl and I became friends later on, if you look at our career numbers, we were kind of the same player. Um, you know, just jump shots and take it to the basket every now and then, get steals, get out on the break. 
but that's who I wanted to be. And the other thing I fought too, because I hated hearing on the news, they would talk about, an analyst would talk about Jeff Lebo playing, and I love Jeff, but he's a, a son of a coach. I hated hearing, I hated when people said that about Why? me. Because Why did you hate right that? Right away, I thought it gave off the, uh, you're saying, well, he just grew up in a gym. He has all these advantages. It also said, and he's not athletic because no coach's sons were athletic. And they didn't, right. know, you know, so, I mean, it seemed that way. So I was all kinds of messed up, but all kinds of motivated too, Mike, because I, I didn't mess around. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I was purely focused on being a basketball player. In high player. school and college? In high school and didn't have a drink. My I didn't have a drink till I was two years in the league. Wow. Yeah. All my boys, you know, smoked weed and got high and, and drank from the age of 13, 14. Just me and my one other best friend who he, he ended up going and playing basketball for my dad at Kentucky Westland, really good high school basketball player. We didn't. We didn't drink, We but we hung out with all our boys who did. And I do remember talking about jumping and athleticism. We used to go to parties out in the country and shit, right? Uh, farms. And uh, we'd get out there. There'd be a bunch of bales of hay and kids drinking and, and just being stupid. But me and my guys used to, we'd bet people that I couldn't jump over cars. They'd be like, you know, Rex can jump over that truck right there. And they'd be like, ah, oh, fuck you, man. No, he can't. And we'd, you know, we'd get them to throw in a few bucks and then I'd go jump over the car. And that's what we did to entertain ourselves. Just stupid shit like that in high school um, that came along. That's fucking funny. <laughs> just came along See, that's out a, of like, nowhere. I wish there was some phones or some footage of that. <laughs> no. Don't you wish... You had a like a cell phone video of you jumping over a fucking car with a permed mullet. <laughs> I know, bro. So crazy. So crazy. But talking about the race stuff, you know, I, I had hurtful things said and not only to me, but to, you know, I, I saw so much racism and whatnot growing up. I was lucky in that Growing up in Owensboro, Kentucky, it's a town of about 60,000 people, and not far away is Evansville, Indiana. We have a larger percentage black population in Owensboro, and at two of the four high schools, the athletics programs at two of the four schools are predominantly black. My dad grew up playing basketball in our hometown, and many of his best friends were the black friends he played against in high school. So they all had sons my age. And about age six or seven, my dad, you know, I loved basketball. I was going to his practices. And I remember him telling me one time, I said, well, if you want to play basketball, you better start playing against the best players because I was just running roughshod over the white kids in, in first and second grade. So he would take me down on the weekends and drop me off at uh, Charlie Taylor's house where two of my best friends were, Avery Taylor and Chucky Taylor. And... Uh, you know, they lived in the projects, uh, you know, two bedroom apartment, seven, eight people in two rooms, maybe no air in the summer, no heat in the winter, maybe eat once a day. So I got to see a lot of stuff at a very young age that I'd go home and that I had all the trappings. I had somebody there to make me get my grades. I had a parent at home all the time. Most of my friends that I, and now these ended up being guys that we played on different high school teams but we were AAU teammates until we were 16 and we killed people. I was the only white guy on the team playing with my guys from Owensboro High School. I went to Apollo High School where all but one of my teammates was white. 
Mm-hmm. We had battles with those dudes. Mm-hmm. Had battles, man. But those guys, the advantage I had coming out uh, and going to a place like Five Star, I knew my guys on my AAU team, they just didn't get invited to Five Star. They were good. They taught me how to play. I had to play. There was five games a year that I had to play hard. And that was when we played Owensboro High School. So I knew whenever I left Kentucky, I wasn't going to really face anybody any more athletic, uh, any tougher than what I'd been playing against for seven, eight years already. So it really helped mold me. One of the ugliest things I remember said to me one time, I was at a, uh, I was about 15 and I just started, you know, yeah, I was a sophomore and we were playing, I won't say where it is, but we were playing at a little bitty place right outside of Owensboro, Kentucky. And we played the game and I had a pretty good game, I guess. And we're all kind of standing around waiting to get on the bus to go back home. And this dude comes out of the stands. He's a country dude. He's got on overalls. He looks like a guy straight out of ZZ Top. And he put his arm, there are people all around. And he put his arm on my shoulder and I kind of, you know, looked like, you know, what are you doing? And he said exactly this to me. I'll edit it a little bit. But he said, my God, he said, you play just like a N-word, but you still get to be white. Mm. It still makes me want to cry because it's the ugly, it's one of the ugliest things you can say. To he said it out loud to begin with. And then what, what compounded everything was the kids, the adults, everyone standing around. Nobody said a fucking thing to this guy. I just looked at him and kind of, I didn't know what to say. I'm 15. I got this old man that's spewing racist stupidity in a gym full of people and nobody's going to call him out on it. And around that time, you know, I, I started becoming a little bit more aware of my surroundings and what was going on racially. Um, and, and, and just because I'm sure we'll get into it around this time, I'm, you know, playing ball with my guys in the summer uh, in the projects and yeah, for the last two or three years, me and one of my teammates, uh, sisters, we've become really good friends. And I'd never had a girlfriend before. I mean, I don't, but we just organically became boyfriend and girlfriend. She's black, I'm white. People were not having it. They weren't having and it. And especially you're a basketball yeah, star. Yeah, they weren't having it. And you're the great white hope. I was told to hide from an early age. She was told to hide. We hid in high school, you know, went to proms with other people. Did you and, really? Oh, yeah, dude. Yes, dude. It's It was confusing. It was really confusing. And, uh, you know, then I went to Kentucky, and there was a little bit more of that at UK. She went to UK as well. Uh, she also won the state 100 two years in a row <laughs> in high school. Could fly. Her brother, Mark, played in the NFL for years, Mark Higgs. But, and, and Sean and I, my girlfriend, we're still good friends. She, we talk regularly, uh, but we kind of went through it. And she especially went through it. Um, I, and I didn't tell her about all the times that people were telling me to hide or be discreet or, you know, racist shit. There were times that I told her, though. And see, they're telling me one thing. They're saying to me, you're better than dating her. Right. They're, what it's saying to her is she's not good enough for me. And it's right. just fucking racist, mean ignorance. I didn't have the courage to say any of that at the time. 
people are telling me to worry about my image. And again, Mike, I hadn't made a fucking dollar. And so I don't, these are people I should be trusting, but a lot of it was hurtful to both of us. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, that's right. As you said, former Suns player Rex Chapman, he just got out here to the jail and police arrested him for shoplifting over $14,000 worth of Apple products just like this. Now, the first round draft pick to Charlotte in 1988 now faces nine counts of organized retail theft and five counts of trafficking stolen property, all felonies. When you Google Rex Chapman, and this is again in the age with a person who's got a very active, very um, beloved Twitter account, you would think something else would come up. But when I Google you, the first image that I see is your mugshot. Now, being a fan of yours and, you know, knowing you peripherally, but I remember, I think for some reason when I heard about where you were at, I think I saw it in a Sports Illustrated article about you. 
because I had a, a subscription to Sports Illustrated, and Sports Illustrated was everything. That's how you got your news. There was no Twitter and all that stuff. Talk to the people. Explain what was going on, how you wound up in an Apple store in Phoenix stealing where your life had gotten you to that moment. And again, I'm skipping forward because I can't do the life and times of Rex Chapman because that's not what this podcast is about. Speak to me about how you wound up in an Apple store in Phoenix, you know, essentially trying to steal who the fuck knows what. Uh, and it wasn't because you were broke. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It probably was in some part because I was going broke. You know, Mike, it's still, it's so hard to talk about. Uh, you know, I know people know about it. You can read about it. Uh, you know, I talk about it, you know, when I go and speak and, and whatnot, it's still really hard to talk about the details just cause you, man, I let so many people down myself, my kids, my family, friends. Uh, but like I said to you, I didn't drink. I wasn't a drinker, smoker, anything like that. If I played, you know, 12 years in the NBA, if I had a dozen drinks the night before a game that would have been, I just didn't you know I might go out on a night off with you know Stevie Nash Jason Kidd we go out and have a beer night before I just felt like I couldn't and maybe that was just my dad you know hearing my dad in the back what are you doing drinking the night before a game something like that so I wasn't that guy but I had a lot of injuries when I was playing and my last three years of playing I had seven orthopedic surgeries right at the end of my last year though Right before the playoffs, I had an and I was going to retire at the end of the year because I just wasn't very good. I, what year I hadn't was had this? A, it was two thousand. I'd had a dunk every year of my life since I was fifteen, and now I'm thirty two, and I hadn't had a dunk the whole season. I'd been hurt on and off, hamstrings, hand, but I, I wasn't very good. And the first time in my life, I hadn't averaged double figures probably since I was five. Mm. But I out of nowhere, emergency appendectomy. And I'm fine. Get off the plane the next day at home. That happened in Oakland. I get off the plane. The doctor gave me a prescription for OxyContin. And I took it. And in two days, Mike, maybe less, I knew I was in love, man. I felt smarter and funnier. And it felt like I was walking about an inch and a half off the ground. And when people would come up and want to talk to me, I've always had some social anxiety, you know, just being recognized from a young age and wondering if, are they talking about me? Are they, you know, as you do, you know, the older you get, especially if you're known a little bit. And all of a sudden I realized I didn't care if people came up and talked to me. I felt nicer and smarter and funnier, a better dad and a better husband, uh, all the, you know, and that was another part in a tough marriage because of me, you know, I, I've struggled with depression and probably some sort of form of mental illness since I was in my teenage years. I quit my high school basketball team, you know, so I had my issues, but I'd made it all the way through an NBA career. And now I'm a full blown, you know, Oxycontin and Vicodin addict. How quick did you realize, or maybe you only know it now in hindsight, but like you're saying two days, you were like, boom, you don't want to ever stop this yeah. shit. Yeah. Two days, it was kind of like that. I had been an addict, a basketball addict, a horse racing addict my whole life, thoroughbreds, gambling, everyday golf addict, bag of Jolly Ranchers, don't just give me one. I want fucking all of them. So I'm that guy. It had just never manifested itself in drugs. And, and you know, honestly, 
drug addiction and alcoholism on my mom's side of the family, gambling on my dad's side of the family. So I kind of come by it honestly, I guess. However, when I took that medicine, man, I was kind of off to the races. And without going through all of the stupid details, about a year and a half of that, I was now living out of the house. I'd moved out. Uh, we've got three children and another on the way. My life's going to hell. Danny Ainge shows up at this little apartment where I'm living one morning, our Danny Ainge with the Celtics, and says, you got to go to rehab. You're not right. Look at you. You look terrible. You're fat. You're gaining weight. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing to your kids and your wife, but Rex, it's too much. And for whatever reason, I listened to Danny. Oh, I love him. I think he's the best. I just love him to death. But I listened to him. I drove myself to rehab. And when I got in there, Mike, I was uh, had to tell him what I was taking. And uh, they said, what are you taking? I said, I'm taking about 10 Oxycontin a day and about 40 Vicodin a day. Damn. And I was. Yeah. And I was just chewing them up. No water, no good thing I didn't drink because I'd for sure be dead. I mean, if I tried to wake up today, I would just chew them up just to get them in my system earlier, which with Oxycontin is very dangerous because it has a time release sort of uh, thing about it. And you chew it up, you just break through all that time release. So I was perfectly just messed up all the time. But when I got in there and I told them that, I said, what's the detox like? They said, well, Oxycontin, they said, it's going to be seven days, just like seven days of coming off heroin. And when I heard that, I was like, what, what? And they were right. It was, it was awful. I got out of that rehab and within six months, I had to have another surgery on my wrist. They put me on Vicodin. I probably should have told them I don't need to be taking this. I took it and I was back off to the races on Vicodin again. Were you, when they told you they gave you Vicodin for the surgery, was the addict in you like, oh, cool. Yes, yes. I don't need, like, Absolutely. like you know it's not right. You know yeah. what it does to you specifically. And you're kind of like, well, I got surgery. Yeah. Fuck. And exactly, Mike, you're exactly right. And the other part about it is, and for me, the coward part of it was, yeah, but this isn't Oxycontin, right? It, this is just Vicodin. I can handle the Vicodin. What no. is the difference between the two? The like Oxycontin is a, it's a major, major drug. I mean, it, it probably, I don't think it should be used on just people walking around. If you're terminal, if you're, you know, compound fracture surgery, stuff like that. But people just using it for back pain and knee pain, it's dangerous, Mike. It's really dangerous. It's synthetic for lack of a better term, synthetic heroin, synthetic morphine. It's too good. It's too good. So, yeah, so I'm back on the Vicodin, and I'm on that for six, eight months. And, you know, I came clean and told my ex-wife, I said, I, I'm back on it. I got to go get clean again. So I went back to rehab, got off of it. They put me on something called Suboxone after that. And that's supposed to be something that weans you off of opioids. I was on that for 10 years from about 2004 to 2014. And my life just kept getting worse and worse. My decisions kept getting worse and worse until I'm gambling every day. I got to have my medicine every day. And I, when I say I'm gambling every day, Mike, I, you know, from the time I was about 20, if I had an off day in the summer, I went to the track, 10 grand in my pocket. 
And, you know, if I won, I have it the next day. If I lost 10 grand that day, I go get another 10 grand and go to the, that was my thing. That's what I did. So, and I got to support this habit, you know, and I can also look and go, oh shit. I'm starting for the first time in my life going, when's that investment come in? When's that payment? When's that licensing check coming in? And Mike, I'd played 12 years in the NBA and probably made $40 million. You should be good. Yeah. I mean, not divorce and gambling and all that stuff, but still, come on, man. And my two youngest girls are living with me part of the time. They're in middle school. Confusing time. Uh, before I know it, I don't really know. I, all I know is I'm, I'm running. I think I'm running low on money. I'm running low on drugs. And I'm in an Apple store out of my mind. And there are people all around. And I just start putting stuff in my bag. In a, a Nike store is right across the street where I've got a Nike bag. I've just come from the Nike store. And I start putting stuff in my bag and left. And, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I just want to cry. Uh, and I guess, I, well, I had, Decided I was going to take that stuff, start pawning it. Fuck. And I'm no, I I don't know. I should know that I'm Rex Chapman, the basketball player who everybody knows here. Everybody, you know, Phoenix Suns. Um, and I can't see it. I can't see any of it. I can't see that what I'm doing is illegal and wrong and criminal. I can't see that anybody knows me. You know, I can't see that. <laughs> I think there were a handful of times that I was in there with my daughters. So, man, it, it was so hard. It just, <laughs> and then, okay, then, uh, so I think that happened several times. It did happen several times. And I don't know how long later, whether it was a year or six months I'm at home one day and I'm getting ready to go pick my daughters up from school, 2.30. I get in my car, I pull out, and as soon as I pull out of my gate, there's like six uh, Scottsdale police officers just pin me in, hem me in, and I don't know what the fuck is going on. I truly didn't. I'd had some problems with my driver's license, driving on a suspended license. I I hadn't had a, a license or insurance in years but driving everywhere. So I'd been pulled over, taken to jail before for a suspended license. So I didn't really put anything together. And I started at, they got me out of the car, handcuffs, threw me on the hood. They're like six dudes. And I, I'm going, what's going on? And none of them are saying anything. One of them came back with a real smart answer and said, light day on crime in Scottsdale, I guess, huh? And I was like, will you tell me what's going on? They said, you'll find out. So I, they put me in the car. I went to uh, the jail. I got to the jail. They put me in a cell right away with a naked dude who's jacking off. Um, straight, just naked dude jacking off. And I'm sitting in the corner. Jesus, fuck. Yeah, and you know, and in jail, they got those, like they got high school mirrors that are just, you can kind of see in them. It's like a piece of aluminum, you know? <laughs> and uh, I look at myself, dude jacking off in the corner. I look at myself in this mirror 
and I'm wearing a fucking basket, Nike basketball shirt that says basketball never stops. Oh, sure as fuck did that day. I couldn't laugh at it. And I forgot about that story until about six months ago. I was on Sarah Spain's uh, show and remembered it, told her about it and started laughing about it. But it damn sure wasn't funny at the time. I remember them giving me my phone to ask me if I could wanted to make a, a call. I said, I, or they said, do you want to make a call? I said, I don't know anybody's numbers. Nobody. One dude grabbed my phone and said, here, find the number you need. And as soon as I opened my phone, the phone's just going crazy. People have started finding out, I guess. And I had one message from my boy that I remember, Josh Hopkins. And you know Josh, I know, actor. Uh, he's my homeboy, Kentucky homeboy. I'm doing another podcast with. There was a message from him that said, I don't know what happened. I just know I love you, man. And I ended up living on Josh's couch for a couple years after all that. But I went back in the jail. Uh, I got out, Mike, and you know I just felt broken. And about a week later, I went to rehab in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, I took it seriously, learned a lot about, started learning about myself. When that happened, there was a little bit of a relief. I remember getting into rehab and sitting back and thinking, all right, dude, this is where you need to be. I felt a little sense of peace for the first time in a long time. And I think when I look back about it, I always felt like a little bit of a fraud, Mike. Just from a young age, people, they had a a view of me, or I thought they had a view of me as this all-American white kid. And I, I had apparently sold out my whole fucking life to that ideal, knowing that's not who I was inside. You know, look, I'm a flawed dude. I, I got no patience. I have all kinds of warts. I'm, you know, depressed. I, you know, but it was the first time in my life I really felt like, all right, now whew, the facade is gone. You know, now I can just be me. I can just, you know, but I got to get better. And so I did. I, I took it really seriously for a month. And then I went three months. I stayed with John Lucas out in Houston, uh, who I've loved forever. John has a story similar. And he really helped get me back. Then I moved out to L.A., stayed with my buddy, uh, Mark Verge, out there, and my other buddy, Josh Hopkins, for a couple years. And really uh, tried to get myself together. I, I had... When I checked into rehab that year, Mike, I was 260 pounds. God damn. How tall are you? 6'3", six, 6'4", six, maybe. But I'd never played more than 190. So it took me a couple years to lose, get down to about 200 pounds. And slowly but surely, just doing the next right thing every day, you know, I started building back. And then my a guy named Paul Archie called me at uh, JMI, which is the media arm of Kentucky sports, UK basketball and football network. And, uh, he said, you want to do our pregame shows back here? I said, yeah. He said, we can't really pay you. I said, I don't want to be paid. I don't give a shit. Love to. So I came back to Kentucky and, uh, started doing that. I'd always had 75,000 or so Twitter followers from my NBA days, but, when I got back here, I found some stupid video, started doing this blocker charge thing, and then that Twitter thing took off, and now here we are. <laughs> One thing that, I mean, I've sort of taken on these battles because I consider you a friend. One of the things that where we are today in 2021 is 
like I said earlier, when you bring up Rex Chapman, you know, the first thing or the first or second thing is this, uh, you know, time in your life where you were at a bottom. It's not you dunking on this person, dunking on that person, hitting this iconic three-point shot for the Phoenix Suns. It's not even the tweets, the fun tweets. And I've sort of stepped into your battles because I'll see you make a tweet and people be like, you fucking drug addict, you junkie, you this, that. And I know that that, because it bothers me. Like there, I have my, my shit that I don't like to talk about or the things that I've said. And, you know, and you've moved on with your life. But how, how frustrating is it that when you're like your whole life becomes this fucked up incident and you could be saving babies Saving cats and dogs for a burning building and someone would be like, you fucking junkie, you stole phones in Phoenix. How frustrating is that, that that's always going to be around you? Or is it a good thing that reminds you, you know, what is your take on that? It's a little of both, Mike. You know, yes, of course, as a person, it, you know, I put out some, we, we raised, oh, last year, this stupid Twitter account raised like 300 grand for COVID relief across the country. I mean, NBA teams to uh, frontline workers, to food banks, to everything. And I put out some recap of that about uh, three or four weeks ago. And I see one of the comments, it has my mug shot and saying, this you Rex? And I, you know, it's frustrating, but... Every time I, I do that, because I joke about people, I do. I joke about people all the time. And life is hard. Life's also funny. And if you can't laugh at yourself some, it's going to be a long, hard life for you. I've also realized, look, if they're attacking you, they're not attacking what I was saying. If they're attacking you, you're winning. You're winning. If they're attacking you as a person, your person, then that's okay. And you just got to let that go. I'm not trying to corral those people in any kind of way because I know who they are. Right. I hear you. And as far as, you know, you played in the NBA. You played in the era of the 80s and the 90s. You know, your comrades, your brothers with, you mentioned, you know, you're talking in passing about Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge, you know, Michael Jordan, every single person that played in that era as far as this Twitterverse, Twitter success, who has been, you're like, oh shit, this person follows me or this person retweets me because your Twitter is a dope engagement. Who have been the, the, a few of the retweets or like responses you've gotten from people that you were like, what the fuck? Bro, it's been a slow build, but over the last couple of years, I've just been amazed. I mean, everybody from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Nancy Pelosi, Chris Pratt, Ben Stiller, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, all the major. I remember I freaked out sort of one day about two years ago. I looked up and TMZ was following me. Mm. I was like, oh, fuck, what have mm. I done? I, you know. <laughs> right, like you're right, right. So the last time you were on TMZ, build, it wasn't good. Yeah, I was like, oh, what? The <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, man, it's been crazy. You know, uh, and to be honest, a lot of the people you know, that I grew up watching, you know, uh, some of your peers, you know, Jane Lynch, Andy Richter, you know, just people who I really look, Sasha Baron Cohen. 
That's dope. out of nowhere, Mike. This is I haven't told you this. About a month ago, two months ago, maybe. I'm sitting around here watching basketball one night, and I get a direct message from Sasha Baron Cohen. Fucking like, Borat. Borat. And immediately I look and I go, how do I have more fucking followers than Sasha Baron Cohen? And he says, Rex, listen, man. And he writes a really nice thing saying, we got to really try to get Trump off of Twitter and uh, off of social media. You know, would you mind amplifying this message a little bit? And I was like, bro, anytime. Come on, let's go. Uh, two days later, he's off. Trump's been kicked off. Sasha sends a message saying, we did it. Two days. That's Two days, dope. man. That's dope, right? That's dope. That's dope. That's so, crazy. Yeah, I was living in my car, man. I was living in my car for a minute. And now Borat's calling. <laughs> what do you want to do with the rest of your life in regarding? Because, you know, you're, the Twitter thing is one thing. You have a podcast. In regards to basketball, because I know you love basketball, you're always going to love basketball. What What are your goals and hopes and dreams uh, for the rest of your life? How old are you now? 53, Mike. Shit, you're a 53. young guy. Can you dunk anymore? I tried it at 50. I did it at 50. We don't want to hear uh, the past. Yeah, we, no, we said I you're haven't tried it. Haven't tried it in three years because I hurt myself when I landed at 50. And I did it at 50, hurt my back, and was like, this is stupid. I can't do it anymore. This is dumb. So, uh, no, I would say I, I probably can't. If I had to, maybe. Fuck. I don't know. One-handed or two-handed dunk at 50? It's a one-handed dunk. It's a one. And in fact, how about this? It's a one-step, two-foot one-handed dunk. Oh, fuck not you, even, man. I can't even... No, I can't even, I wouldn't even think about jumping off of one leg. Wouldn't even think about it. I, wish I would I pull could a dunk. hammy. I'd, 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 I, I would look like you, man. I, I, I wish I awful. could fucking dunk. You but, can't. Okay, so 53, you've got this new notoriety in regards to this Twitter world. You're starting this podcast, Charges. You're starting another podcast. What do you want out of life professionally outside of, being, you know, a good person, a consistent person, a person who's not in trouble, a good father, your kids are older. What do you want out of life professionally going forward? Because you're a young guy. Uh, basketball will always be a part of it. I enjoy, like crazy, finding and getting to know guys like Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and hand-delivering them to my friends in the NBA who I go, Dude, I'm telling you, not that one, this one. This is the guy. I enjoy that. I enjoy watching good young basketball players who are conscientious, who never take plays off, who always know what defense you're in. I just like that as much as anything. So I'll always continue to do that. I'm going to do these podcasts, Mike. You know, there were a lot of things that I should have said and could have said when I was younger, when I was a teenager, about race, about you know, injustice, bigotry, whatnot. And I think I want to tackle a lot of that stuff uh, in the right way uh, with people from different walks of life. Uh, just to, you know, there's a lot of hatred and division right now. We're all people. And I know like you, you and I, ha we have people who really like us and we do. We're polarizing. We have people who just can't stand what we do or they can't stand the things they hear us say publicly. 
I've yet to really sit down with anybody who dislikes me, you know, based on what they think of me, sat down and have a beer where we can't have some, find some common ground. And I think with these pods, I'd like to, you know, show, hey, yeah, we all may be different, but we're not that different. And I want to have some good discussion, learn about people that I don't know, and maybe make a little bit of a difference. And you said it. I feel so bad for what I did to my children that I'm, I've got to spend every day trying to make up for it. And, uh, you know, I've spent the last few years just trying to build back where I can take care of them financially. And so I'm still working on the relationship part of it. And I love all my kids. They love me. But I owe it to them to continue to keep doing the next right thing and, and trying to make them proud. That's dope. Well, I wish you nothing but luck in real life. Personally, I wish you nothing but luck uh, with the Charges podcast, Charges with Rex Chapman. I am uh, so appreciative and honored that you let me interview you uh, in a broad sense for uh, this uh, first episode of Charges. And uh, what can I say? I'll let you sign off. This is your podcast. Yeah. You do that. I, I can't do all the fucking heavy lifting, yeah. Rex. Well, I'll you, let you sign off it. right now. Jesus. Thank you, buddy. I, first of all, I'm honored that you would do this. I really on, am. Man. You're my boy. I love you to death. Um, and I've, you know, look, this is not happening without some nerves. Um, I've been interviewed since I'm 15 years old. I can sit here and be interviewed all damn day, but I'm taking pointers from you today. I got to learn how to interview and how to listen. So there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve that I'm excited about, anxious, nervous, all of that. But the guests we're going to have are going to be dope, dope, dope. And uh, people need to subscribe. Charges. Rex Chapman. Let's go. Charges, sharing our ends with the law. Charges, athletes, entertainers, and brawlers. Charges, every celebrity ain't flawless. Charges, we came a long way from living lawless. Charges, sharing our ends with the law. Charges, athletes, entertainers, and brawlers. Charges, every celebrity ain't flawless. Charges, we came a long way from living lawless. Charges. Charges is created by Portal A and Control Media. It's produced by DB Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.